a lot of men don't talk about that yeah. because who's going to believe that this five, four, five, five, a yeah. hundred and 10 pound woman is beating on this six, two, six, three, 225 pound dude. Exactly. Nobody's going to believe that. And nobody, and if they did, nobody wants to hear that. Exactly. You know, they're going to laugh you off or they're going to whatever. So you keep it to you. You don't say anything. Exactly. So domestic violence on both parts, it's, it's a really serious thing. Exactly. And I want a lot of men to speak up that yes. are going through these things as well. Not only men, but women as well. Yes. Anybody, everybody should keep their hands to themselves. That's you know true. what I'm saying? I, I'm a firm believer. Everybody keep their hands to themselves. Yeah. He keep his hands to yourself you keep your hands to yourself and if y'all can't talk it out like adults separate separate without all the emotions just go your separate ways because at the end of the day nine times out of ten it's going to go bad for the guy that's right no matter what happens that's right it's going to go bad for all the guy. he has to do is hear the one time everybody this is your boy dr bellard and welcome back to the narrow path podcast show as always thank you for joining thank you for commenting thank you for liking please go subscribe 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 let's get on with the show today we're in the second season of the narrow path podcast we've had filmmakers we've had actors poets wrestlers turned actors turned filmmakers and today the foundation of all of this in my opinion, starts with theater. And today we have one of the best playwrights I've seen in a long time um, with her stories and uh, conversations around certain relationship topics and society topics, Miss Lady Smith. Let me read her bio and we're gonna get right into it. Miss Lady Smith is the founder and operator of Limited Academy nonprofit organization and serves on its board of directors. Before Limited Edition Academy was formed, Lady was the founder and operator of Limited Edition Co-Performing Arts, or LIPA, managing four divisions, administration, employment, entertainment, and advertisement. As a prolific playwright, she has written and directed many powerful, thought-provoking, and soul-searching plays such as Forgiveness, It's For You, Bookshelf, Romlin, and Tendai in 2009, and most recently, this year's hit smash, Adore, and Adore 2, very recently. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, founder, playwright, overall dope human being, Miss <laughs> Lady Smith, everybody. Give her a hand. Welcome, Miss Lady. Thank you for having me. How so you doing? I'm fine. That's good. <laughs> Come on, you can do a little bit better I'm, than I'm, that. I'm blessed. I'm absolutely You're blessed. blessed. Absolutely. All right, all right, all right. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Well, I am happy and honored that you made time to be on. Full disclosure, I was an actor in one of her plays. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I said, hey, this lady's been in the game for a while, so I had to have her on. And he was amazing. Oh, stop it. Absolutely amazing. Oh, stop it. <laughs> they wanted to run me out the theater. <laughs> They tried to run me out the theater. They tried to run my character out the theater. You know, my character was a mean dude. She wrote me as a mean dude. He was a mean dude, but I enjoyed the experience. No one could do it better. I enjoyed the experience. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, Miss um, Lady, talk to me about origin of your name, because I had 
uh, I had uh, someone else on the show, Miss uh, Trefina Wade, and mm -hmm. she had, I'd never heard that name before, Trefina, and she broke down the origins of um, her, it was actually her birth name. It's what her mom and dad uh, gave her. I was curious about your name, Lady Smith. Is that your, is that your birth name? Is that your? It's not my birth name. Okay. I changed my name later on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It just uh, clicked. People just, would call me Lady. Uh -huh. um, it was, I, I think I've been Lady for maybe 40 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting... Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't like my name. ...quirk um, to you. And I meant to ask you the origins of it when I met you. It just, for some reason, it always just slipped my mind. I'm like, Lady, I've never heard uh, the name Lady before. Yeah. I wonder if that's her, her, her original name. No. No? No, my original name is Tamara. Okay, mm. nice. So that's... it's Lady Tamara Yvette Smith. Okay, that's my daughter's name. Oh, Tamara? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's Do they call her Tammy? Uh, I call her Drea. Her her middle name oh. is uh, Alexandria. Oh. Um, so I call her Drea. Everybody else calls her uh, Tamara, or you know, our aunties call her Tam Bam. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's cute. So uh, yeah, uh, I, I like Tamara. It's a oh. very pretty name. It is. So. Talk to me about your love of theater, writing plays, how Liberty Church gave you your first opportunity to practice your craft as media and drama ministry leader. Okay. Um, well, it's a two-parter. They actually didn't give me my first opportunity. I was actually doing it before I met Liberty. Okay. Um, when I was a young girl, I would have to write a lot, right? Because mm -hmm. I was bullied when I was little. When I was in elementary I was bused on the school bus mm. from um, third, I think it was third grade to the sixth grade. Mm. So we, um, but the people who I was bused with came from my neighborhood and those were the ones that bullied me. The ones that I came from, you know, from the neighborhood with. Mm. So I just started writing. That was like my outlet. Okay. I didn't have many friends when I was in elementary school. So I would just write. And then um, the things that I would write would be poetry, mm -hmm. um, stories, um, journaling, of course, um, letters. I write letters. Um, when I got into middle school, still bust. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a long story. I, I got, actually got out of um, elementary because I was being bullied. In the sixth grade, some girl, this is part of uh, a door one, mm -hmm. some girl, uh, Borrowed this guy's uh, little football game with the little things on it, okay. and she broke it, and she put it in my lap. And then when he came on the bus, she said, "Oh, lady, broke your game," and he wanted to fight me. That's that part of that the story, uh. right? And so um, I didn't break his game. I didn't even touch it. Okay. But he thought I did, and so. It was this big hoo-ha. I had an older sister who had friends, and I had some gang members from the neighborhood who mm -hmm. I knew of. Mm -hmm. And so since they had a time and date that I was going to get beat up when I got off the bus, we had people waiting outside the bus stop for me. So when I got off the bus, the guys were there for me, the gang members from the community. Wow. Yeah. Um, but after that, um, I stopped being bused. I went, then I went to the neighborhood school for the second half of that year. Uh -huh. And I graduated from the neighborhood school, but then I got back on the bus. Uh -huh. And I was bused again from middle school and high school. Wow. Yeah. But um, 
Middle school, again, I was uh, writing. You know, I played a lot of sports. I played a lot of sports, but I did a lot of writing, a lot of journaling. I have lot, lots of letters that I write. I write letters to people, but I don't give it to them. You know, I just have it. Okay. Um, it's kind of things that just get off your, yeah, right. cathartic, get it off your chest. Um, then I write poems or something like that, and I just set it aside. Okay. But then in high school, some of my friends were going to jail. Okay. So I started writing them in jail. Okay. Right? right. And so I got some of the most beautiful letters from prisoners, right? Right. right. They would draw, right? So uh -huh. we would get some some art. Um, I don't know what they call it, but it's the flower. They would draw the little flower with the different petals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Not love, anything like that. Just friendship. Right. Yeah. Um, but something to keep them, to get them through. But then in high school, we lost a lot of people to gun violence. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of young people. And where are you from again? Um, I grew up on 95th Street between Hoover and Figueroa, so okay. uh, South LA, but mostly coastal Watts. Okay. Um, but there's a lot of gang violence. A lot of gang violence, right. and um, we lost a lot of young people down mm -hmm. at that time. Um, wow. It was sad, but yeah, I can imagine, especially in the uh, in that what 80s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 70s and 80s, yeah. we was losing people. Yeah, during the whole uh, drug wars and. Yeah, the crack yeah, era and exactly. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. those guys, a lot of guys like to hang outside. You know, um, I wasn't one that really liked to be outside. Mm -hmm. I don't. I, if I was outside, I would go like play sports or something like. Um, they had sugar ray units mm -hmm. at the schools after school and in sugar the summer. Sugar ray units. Sugar ray units. So like, it's like sugar ray poured money into the community. Oh, sugar ray mm -hmm. Leonard, the boxer. Mm -hmm. But right. we, it was. Um, it depends on what you do. So you could play softball, you could play basketball, mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever it was in that uh, summer, mm -hmm. whatever they had held for that summer. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would do. Okay. Um, and I met a lot of people, you know, playing sports and stuff like that. Right. But then when I got into high school, you know, I wasn't a very good student. <laughs> I have to admit. I wasn't a very, I didn't like school mainly because of the people. Right. Yeah. It's not because of the, the you know, the, 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 the academics or anything like that. I played a lot of sports, mm. but I didn't like um, a lot of people. Gotcha. They were kind of mean. Right. Right. And so it, at one time, there was a young girl, a short girl, not younger, she was my age. She was short. Mm. And um, she, I guess she said something to somebody. And this girl was, she thought she was connected to like the seniors and stuff. And so she was just yelling at this girl from like a long way. I mean, I would tell you it was probably the full campus the way she was yelling at this girl. Mm -hmm. So I kind of um, asked, and I'm like, who is she talking to? She talking to this girl. You understand? Right. This girl. And I'm like, well, why is she talking to this girl? Like, what's the problem? But she was doing all this talking. So I kind of came around the other side and I got in front of the little, the young girl. She wasn't, she wasn't young. She's just short. I got in front of her and I said, who are you talking to? This girl, she's running into the classroom. You're not going to touch this girl. That's the first time I stood up for myself and other people. Mm. After I did that, the girl turned around and went back the other way. And I was like, "Is that was it that easy? Right? Elementary, middle school, in high school, I finally stand up for myself. Was it that easy? Mm. You just stand up and they would turn around? I mean, but then I think about it. Was it that easy? Because mm -hmm. in elementary, they would run me into a pole. I have this knot on my head. Wow. They would take my food. They would alienate me. So was it that easy? 
So I just write all that stuff down. So basically, um, your experience of growing up bullied in high school or in middle school and um, all the schools. Uh, <laughs> just follow me around. <laughs> uh, it um, nurtured your your writing and your your need to express yourself mm -hmm. through through writing. Yeah. And that's that's basically you would write your thoughts and your feelings out and, mm -hmm. and everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I got bullied in high school too. Um, so uh, middle school and high school mm -hmm. too. So I can I can relate. You know, kids, especially kids at that age who don't know who they are, mm -hmm. they have to find a way to channel yeah. all of that misguided anger and yeah. confusion and, and all those things. And it's um, not nice. Yeah, no, no, it, it is definitely not nice at all. Bullying, I, to this day, I can't stand a bully. Mm -hmm. To this day, a bully infuriates me. Yeah. It doesn't matter size. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter anything. Exactly. Like, instantly. Um, I guess it's just, I guess it's just a pr protector. The, of course, right? It makes you a protector. It, it draws that out, right? You know, right? You look at the underdog and you say, "That's not fair," right? You know what I mean? And exactly. What can I do to stand up for that person? Right. You know, does did that person deserve it? Right. You know, is there another way? You know, that kind of thing. Right. This ad is sponsored by BetterHelp. What to do, everybody? This your boy Dr. Bellard. I know you're enjoying the interview, but we're gonna take a small break. I want to talk to you today about therapy, specifically BetterHelp Therapy, an online therapy site that has the game on lock. Listen, everybody goes through their season where they feel like they need somebody to talk to, somebody to vent to about life. Because guess what? Life be life, and BetterHelp Therapy has you covered. I'm gonna tell you why. Matter of fact, I'm gonna give you four specific reasons why. Number one, it's professional. All therapists are licensed, accredited professionals. BetterHelp allows you to connect with them in a safe and convenient online environment. Number two, it's affordable. Pay a low flat fee for both live sessions as well as messaging with your therapist. Therapy does not have to be expensive. Believe me, I know. Number three, it's convenient. Do it at your own time, at your own pace. Communicate with your therapist as often as you want, whenever you feel it's needed. And last but not least, probably the most important one, number four, it's effective. Thousands of people have benefited from therapy. Just check out the reviews on betterhelp.com. You'll see for yourself with BetterHelp, you can switch therapists at any point if you don't feel like you're getting enough benefit from your therapist or getting the results that you want. See, simple. And on top of that, they partner with your boy, Narrow Path. Put in the promo code NARROWPATH, betterhelp.com backslash NARROWPATH. It's right here at the bottom or on the side, probably right here at the bottom. Either way, you see it, use it, and you'll get a discount on your membership. That's what we're doing. They're rocking with your boy. I'm rocking with y'all. Rock with your boy, too. It's betterhelp.com. I'm telling you, the therapy is amazing. I've used it in the past, and it helped me tremendously. Back to the show. Narrow Path. Rock with your boy, DR out. Your love for theater and your writing... Um, that led you to form LEPA, right? It, it, it led me to form Tawny Brations. Tawny Brations. So at first, I would go into the communities, community parks, mm -hmm. and I would volunteer as a drama as a drama leader or okay. something like that, or performing arts. Mm -hmm. And they would let me, and they would give me a group of kids, and we would, you know, we would uh, practice and rehearse. I would write scripts, mm -hmm. so I wrote like little scripts, like uh, funny color shaped object, just like for Easter. Right. Or Mad Inventor for like Black History Month. Right. And it was cute and it was fun. Right. Um, so the kids related to it, but it would teach them things, mm -hmm. right? 
It would teach them how to be kind, how to be nice. Um, character counts, right? right? It would teach them how to deal with controversy and trials, and, but, but in a fun way, right. right? So, like, you have all these Easter bunnies around, but bunnies don't lay eggs. Right. 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 So how do you, right. so how do you make that connection? So right. I had to I wrote that into a script. We had conversations bistros where I take each person's name and make them a fun little food. Mm -hmm. So like you would be like uh, dr dr fingers, you know, mm -hmm. like and right. <laughs> so it would be fun for them, but they would also be learning at the same time, not knowing they're learning, but learning. All right. Mm -hmm. At the same time. Mm -hmm. So how did the formation of uh, Limited Edition Academy come about? So we got really big. We started getting really big. Um, we were still in the parks, but we were getting bigger and bigger. And so we kind of needed, um, Tiny Gratians was a little um, childish, mm -hmm. kind of immature a little bit. Okay. Um, so I started looking around at these other academies that had greater names, more general names. Mm -hmm. um, and we were limited edition in terms of what we did. Uh, we go to different communities and we would perform for their events. Mm -hmm. um, we would go to celebratory events for somebody's birthday and we would put on a special thing for that person. Right. And so we just decided limited edition would probably be more appropriate. And so the performing arts actually grew more. And what we do, um, what limited edition does is like we help them in school. We'll help them with their family life. You know, mm -hmm. we help them. Um, we tell them youth, mm -hmm. but it became adults too now, because those young youth are now adults married with children, and those children are through limited edition now. Right. So it's it's come a long way. Wow. Yeah. And what year did you start mm -hmm. this limited edition? Mm -hmm. uh, Probably in the, in the 90s somewhere, early 90s. I don't know exactly the date. Because, you know, we start with the name and then we form right. our... Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. At some point, we're going to um, show some clips from uh, one of your plays, uh, Adore, so the audience can get a sense of your writing and uh, theatrical productions that you put on. Um, so we'll, we'll sparse them out throughout the interview. How many plays have you written up to this point? so far oh man um maybe about t more than 20 but less than 30. if wow. full plays like full length plays yeah full length. full length plays maybe maybe about 10. 10. i have shorts like 45 minutes mm -hmm. no it's got to be more than that because i write for the uh, drama ministry too it's got to be more than that okay okay i wrote all everything for the drama ministry okay okay all the plays everything for that so so you you are you a writer writer. <laughs> you are just a writer. You a writer writer. You got a lot to say. <laughs> and a lot of it is not through experience. It's just I can channel some some ideas from other people or right. something that came to my mind or dreams. You know, because I pray a lot. Right. And so you know, sometimes my dreams will tell me what's the next idea. Right. So what particularly led you to write Adore? And we're getting ready to show a clip from, a couple of clips from Adore. What, what specifically, because tell them, first tell them what Adore is about, um, briefly, uh, what Adore is about, what led you to, to write it, and then we're going to go to a clip. So Adore is a, 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 it's a kind of play on words. It's a four-part series uh, based on domestic violence, but not your common understanding of domestic violence. Different ways a person finds themselves 
in a situation may not necessarily be them, but it could be around them of domestic violence. So for example, the proverbial domestic violence situation is a man hits a woman. That's not always how domestic violence is um, categorized. I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I'm so glad, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> And one of the things that caught my attention, not to cut you off, but I'll let you finish, but one of the things that, that caught my attention about um, your particular uh, play was that it's a four-part series, like you said, and it looks at every single aspect of domestic violence. It doesn't look at it from the typical, the typical lens mm -hmm. of man hits woman, uh, man gets locked up, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. It's, it, it looks at it from all different angles. Yeah. Of it. And that's what a lot of people aren't aren't talking about the exactly. different situations of domestic violence. Exactly, because there's so many different ways you can find yourself in a situation because of domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, the Good Samaritan, someone comes to your rescue and you are in a domestic violence situation, but that per that submit that Good Samaritan does something to protect you, but ends up in prison behind it. Mm -hmm. You know that's also part of it. You have um, verbal abuse. You know, a person talks so bad to you, you, you lose yourself. You lose yourself. And I'm talking about a woman verbally abusing a man. Mm -hmm. You know, just he's trying to do everything he can for his family. And she just hits him with it left and right. And it mm -hmm. just sounds like gunshots. Just gunshots shooting at, shooting at, shooting at you. Um, this, uh, so the four parts of the door is um, the first one was to introduce a door to the, to the world. Um, a door ends up in prison, like um, most innocent men do, end up in prison um, behind a lie of a woman, right? And the woman is Celia. The woman is Celia. Played by the wonderful, <laughs> uh, talented, extremely talented Miss Summer Haynes. Absolutely. Uh, Summer, we got to have you on the show. I got to have you back, Summer Lynn, at door three. Okay. <laughs> and then um, a door two was the 10 days that he was in prison, the five men that he meets excuse me, four men that he meets while he's in prison and their story, how they ended up, where they ended up. Mm -hmm. And uh, Adore Three will be the women going to prison. Of course, of course the verbally abusive Betty mm -hmm. goes to prison. Mm -hmm. And uh, Celia also goes to prison. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she gets to also go through her story and her story with Betty. Okay. Let's, let's go to a clip real quick. Um, check this out. This is uh, one of the earlier scenes from Adore. I knew I couldn't trust you. I knew I couldn't trust you. You said you wouldn't go to that party. I can't believe you would do me like this. Silly, look, I know you're disappointed, but when we talked about the party, I told you that I think about going alone. You made it perfectly clear that you didn't want to go. You're just trying to skirt the issue. If you were still thinking about it, then that is tantamount to an incomplete conversation on the topic. Okay, you're right. So what I should have did was contact you, let you know I decided to go to the party, see if you would change your mind, come with me. I know the history you have with these Betty-like people taking advantage of you. So please forgive me for that. I should have put your feelings first. Would you forgive me? Come on. with this. If this is how conversations truly go, then not only would this play be over, but divorce and crime would almost be non-existent. 
So let's, let's take this back a bit. Because in my mind, this is what I heard. <laughs> I knew I couldn't trust you. You said you wouldn't go to that party. I can't believe you would do this to me. Why are you so upset? You said you didn't want to go to the party, so what difference does it make that I win? Oh, you're just trying to skirt the issue. If you were still thinking about it, then that is tantamount to an incomplete conversation on the topic. Okay, you're playing semantics now. Skirt the issue. I don't have to skirt any issue. You're not my wife or anything. I don't need permission from you to go anywhere. So I am simply telling you that I went. Now, what were you doing there? You said you weren't going to go. I don't have to tell you anything because I ain't your wife. Mm, I ain't your wife. She ain't got to tell him nothing. Nathan. Explain to the audience Summerlin's character, Celia, and what exactly Betty's are. Because she says Betty a lot. Yes. She calls the men in our life and the people in our life Betty's along with their name. Yes. So Betty like people. Okay. So Celia um, was a, a lady who was first a girl. Mm -hmm. When she was a girl, she was bullied. In order to identify those bullies, we call them Betty's instead of bullies. Okay. Okay. So Betty, like people, were in her elementary. Remember, and she mm -hmm. did the um, cheer, and they kept dropping her on the floor and laughing at her, mm -hmm. not being her friend. Mm -hmm. Then she went to um, vacation Bible school. And if you think their mean kids are not in, in church. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> they in church. Oh, yeah. And they grow up to be adults in church. Oh, oh. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah. They're still there. Um, um, so she had to go through that. Then she went through school, you know, high school, you know, mm -hmm. and then she did a little bit of college and she still run into these Betty like people mm -hmm. who treat her wrong. Um, and she was one that didn't stand up for herself. She would just take it. Mm -hmm. So when she finally got a voice and started speaking up for herself is when she started dating. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she started dating Gerard Betty. Okay. Right. Which was him. <laughs> <laughs> And she will find herself being super submissive, um, doesn't want to get into anything, um, doesn't want to start any uh, problems, whatever he says, she takes. Um, but so at some point, she did stand up for herself, okay. right? But then she got into another relationship with Betty Troy. That's the one you just saw, mm -hmm. right? And why is it Gerard Betty, Betty Troy? It's because it's the same relationship, because she's the same person. She didn't learn anything. She didn't grow from that um, past relationship. She mm -hmm. carried that baggage with her into the next relationship. Mm -hmm. And you can identify those people, sell you like people, mm -hmm. because you don't learn. You, 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 you don't get, catch the red flag and, and get one red flag, not three red flags. One red flag and they're out. Mm -hmm. they don't, we don't learn from that. Um, now, do you feel, I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, because I've had this conversation with um, with women before, mm -hmm. it's good to identify red flags, especially after you've gone through some trauma in your life mm -hmm. or whatever. But if you're looking to date with intention and your goal is to eventually be married at some point, mm -hmm. if you disqualify every single person for every single red flag, mm -hmm that you perceive to be a red flag, mm -hmm. you're not going to have any options. Right. You're not going, there's no one going to be left in the dating pool. Mm -hmm. Now, would you consider some of those red flags, what if they're yellow or red-ish? 
Well, or, when I say a red flag, I would say if we if we refer back to the clip, mm -hmm. the first part of that conversation, mm -hmm. to her it was a red flag. She's going in the door. She's upset. She saw him at the party, but they talked about it. She's like, wait a minute. You know, I was wrong. That, right? right? I was wrong. That was a red flag to her, but mm -hmm. they talked about it. Mm -hmm. Right? You can if you don't have the communication between you two, it's not gonna work anyway. Right. Right? So if you if even if you think it's a red flag and you and you talk about it mm -hmm. and you guys resolve it, mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's the second part of that clip mm -hmm. where he said, Hey, I went to the party. That was it, you know what I mean? Right, Why? Right. What was you doing? Why are you stalking right. me? That's that part. That's the red flag that she needs to be aware of. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So let's transition to uh, the second part of the clip during where Betty Troy she really figures out. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm in a I'm in a bad situation. Exactly. Did you uh, did you go by the store today? Yes, yes, yes. I did. Um. <laughs> I went right after we hung up this morning. Baby Troy, look, I got everything on your list. How long did it take you? Not that long. There was hardly any people on the road. Then why did you answer the phone when I called you an hour and a half later? <laughs> oh, Baby Troy, it did take just a little bit longer. It took about an hour and 10 minutes. Then why did you answer the phone when I called you an hour and 20 minutes later? I got in the shower when I got back. I thought I heard the phone ring, but I couldn't be sure. What did you do that required you to take a shower when you got home from the store? <laughs> do you ever stop to think for just a second how you got yourself back into this mess? <laughs> Good job. Played by the great Sullivan Hayes. Um, so yeah, those those are those are those are usually very strong red flags, especially mm -hmm. in that instance. Those are very strong red flags. That, hey, you know, you may be dealing with a very extremely controlling mm -hmm. insecure yeah. person. And it can go both ways, male Absolutely. and female. It's Absolutely. not just it's not just the male, trust me. Not at all. Um, I got my own stories about that. I'm but, pretty sure. <laughs> but uh, but that's Tell me about it. I write a play about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I write a play, a novel, a movie, <laughs> or writing these type of plays. I would imagine are triggering in some way, shape, or form mm -hmm. for you. Do you for me. For for, I mean, as the as the playwright, do you get triggered at some point? Like like in the middle of your writing, you're like, oh wow. Uh, that 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 hit me. That that's like because your plays are impactful. They are okay. people can uh, relate to certain situations, certain circumstances within their own relationship. Whether it's verbal, whether it's emotional, whether it's mental, whether it's physical. In this particular situation, so do you like at some point when you're writing or you're thinking about these things, do you like get triggered by anything that you write? Um, I can't say I cannot say no. What I do. What I do appreciate is when I come to like a realization of something that maybe a person might cry, mm -hmm. right? So do I soften it up? I, I talk to myself about that. Is this too much? Mm -hmm. Did I go, did I cross the line? Mm -hmm. um, do I edit? Sometimes not. Because if it's real, it's real. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be healing for people. Right. Right? It's supposed to be. You know, I, I don't want to write for nothing. Mm -hmm. 
I wanted to heal people. Um, I want people to see themselves in in it. And, and I want to segue real quick, but I wrote a play called Chair. Okay. And it was for uh, the Liberty Church. Mm-hmm. And it was about me and every your children. Mm-hmm. And is an empty chair, but I put lights all on it and stuff like right. that. So the child would come out and they would do their performance, but they would look and see that empty chair and they would be sad and walk away. And I got so much feedback on that, they was crying. Like I wasn't there for my child and I, you know, I promised to change my life, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's not been for me, right? right? But that, that helps me to know that God is directing me in the right way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens when I write. I, I'll say, well, did I go too far? And, you know, um, is there a trigger warning? Should I put out, should I put out a trigger warning mm-hmm. or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, Let's go to the third clip where Celia gets in even deeper with this Betty Troy guy. <laughs> I was going to send your clips. <laughs> Well, uh, I like to see him. I don't think I saw him. Okay. I don't, I don't I'll send yours tonight. I, I got a chance to check him out. So, yeah, I'd like to check him out. Yours was great. I appreciate it. Man, but it was great. Listen, they um, <laughs> they was coming up to me after the play like, man, I really hated your character. <laughs> then, yes, you did it. But then then you nailed you, that. It was like, you did, you did a great job because yeah. I really hated your character. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm just doing what, what the lady what the lady got me here to do. Man, so I'm glad, I'm glad they enjoyed it. Okay. I didn't play a really nice guy. I really did. You, but you did that. You did. Well, thank you. Here's the third clip. Let's let's see Celia's predicament. So, did you get everything? Yes, Betty Troy. Did you change the station? I may have. I'm sorry. Who told you you could change the station? No one, Betty Troy, no. No one. That's right. You move when I say move. Just like that. <laughs> I Betty Troy, I'm sorry. Here, let me change I got it. Just know that's one strike against you. Did you go by the laundromat today? Yes, I did. Did you go anywhere else? No, Betty Troy, I came right back. Why are you asking me that? Because I noticed an extra mile in your speedometer and thought maybe you went somewhere. No, Betty Troy, if anything, I went an extra mile to get my senses back and why I let these Betty-like people into my life. There was construction on the road and they made us detour. Us? The drivers, Betty Troy, the drivers. Oh. I thought you were with someone else. No, Betty Troy, don't ever think that. You love it, right? Yes, of course, Betty Troy. Where, where are you going? To the store. I'll be back. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. How did I get back into this situation? Oh God, please. Same relationship, different dude. How am I gonna get out of this one? God, please help me, God, please. Oh, Celia. <laughs> 
Got herself in a pickle. Got herself in a dill pickle. And another pickle. <laughs> and another dill pickle. I don't know if I asked you this um, earlier, but um, in this particular play, why, why not this particular play, mm-hmm. but in just in general, why is writing about domestic violence situations important to you? Oh, or to make people aware. 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 Absolutely. Because I believe that so many different styles of uh, styles may not be the right word um, but styles for lack of a better word of mm-hmm. domestic violence is not being identified mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of innocent men I'm not saying that they're not they're not they're all innocent I'm not saying right. that because obviously it's the stereotype comes right. from somewhere right absolutely but there's other scenarios where men find themselves in prison behind domestic violence per se. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, it could be a child, you know, that was unruly. The father comes in who's not in the house all the time, mm-hmm. disciplines the child, and all of a sudden the woman uses that against the guy, mm-hmm. you know, the dad, you know, well, the dad's trying to help the child, mm-hmm. you know, but that's domestic violence if she claims it. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Right. So is there, the reason why I, I wrote the different styles, I guess I can't even find that good word, is that people need to... People need to identify when there is a problem sooner mm-hmm. that they can um, curtail it or they can, um, you know, identify it so they can fix it. They can talk about it and, and and call it what it is. Say, hey, this is domestic violence. You Do you understand that this is a form of domestic violence? Can we uh, make an agreement that we're not going to do this or we're going to mm-hmm. do this? This is how we're going to discipline our children. This is how we're going to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, we won't. We'll treat each other the way we expect to be treated. Right. Can we do that? And if you, if you have that communication, that mutual respect for one another, right. the mutual love for your children, I don't think there should be problems. Right. So that's why I write that in there to say, hey, identify this problem. Look at this. This is what's going on in this right. household. Does this look like you? Right. Does this look like someone you know? Because right. a lot of times people won't talk when they're involved in domestic violence. No, and I'm glad you brought that up. And that, like I said, one of the things that attracted me to um, to your work and to your writing is that you look at all sides of domestic violence, and uh, you know, and, and it can relate to not only uh, a lot of women but a lot of men too. You know, in full transparency, um, I was in an abusive relationship for like a year um, in one of my in one of my relationships in my marriage, actually. Um, and uh, my second, my second marriage, and uh, the funny thing about it is, <laughs> she did her best to uh, make it seem like I was the abusive one. When I, I've never hit a woman in my life. Mm-hmm. I've never done. I've, you know, I've had to defend myself in certain mm-hmm. situations, but I've never. You know, that's just not me. Right. You know, I, I, I grew up seeing certain things and I told myself I never wanted to be that guy. Absolutely. And so, you know, certain women take advantage of that. Yes. They know that's not you. And so they provoke you. Yeah. And when you can't get, they can't get an emotional response from you yeah. to make you feel how they feel, then they resort to physical violence. Mm-hmm. But a lot of men don't talk about that yeah. because who's going to believe that this five, Four, five, five, yep. 
10 pound woman is beating on this 6'2, 6'3, 225 pound dude. Exactly. Nobody's going to believe that, and nobody, and if they did, nobody wants to hear that. Exactly. You know, they're going to laugh you off or they're going to whatever. So you keep it to you. You don't say anything. Exactly. You know, I was getting punched. I was getting my property destroyed. I was getting uh, all these things were happening to me, getting stuff thrown in my head. Hmm. She tried to run me over with her. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, it was bananas, man. It was crazy. All because she thought, you know, certain things that were not happening. Mm-hmm. So domestic violence on both parts, it's it's a really serious thing. Gotcha. And I want a lot of men to speak up that yes. are going through these things as well. Not only men, but women as well. Yes. Anybody. Everybody should keep their hands to themselves. That's you know true. what I'm saying? I, I'm a firm believer. Everybody keep their hands to themselves. Yeah. You keep his hands to yourself. You keep your hands to yourself. And if y'all can't talk it out like adults, separate, separate without all the emotions. Just go your separate ways, because at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, it's going to go bad for the guy. That's right. No matter what happens, That's right. it's going to go bad for All the guy. All he has to do is hit her one time. He, he ain't even got to do that. He, she just got to say right. that he hit her, right. or that he tried to hit her, right. or that she's scared. There's or, women that abuse themselves and say he did it. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I promise mm-hmm. I've seen it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen it. And it's, de- it's devastating for the man. It's devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm very happy that that you address all angles of that. Like you touch on all that in, in all four parts in all four series of the play. So um, let's look at the last clip of Adorn and how um, Celia finally responds to her abusive boyfriend. <laughs> well, well, what did you find what you were looking for? Yes. And? And what? Nothing. Did you change your clothes? I wanted to be more comfortable. Who gave you permission to change your clothes? I don't need to be told everything, Betty Troy. Yes, you do. All of your accomplishments are due to me. You can do nothing without me. I can't. Oh, yeah, you can? Where'd you get that? You that same Betty Negro, just a different name. You pick on defenseless women. Usually you find a woman who you think can't protect herself. She has very minimal family and next to no men in the lineage. And then you get rid of her friends. Alienation, that's how to recognize this Betty. <laughs> See, fed up. <laughs> she yeah. fed up. She pulled the heat. Yeah, and alienation is so subtle. You don't really even see it coming. Mm. And before you know it, it's there. Mm. And you have to think back. When, when did this start? You know, where... What was what was I thinking? They isolate you from your friends, yeah. your family, mm-hmm. um, make you totally dependent on them. Exactly. Financially, emotionally, know. mentally, spiritually, yeah. um, you're there. You you have to be there every day. Absolutely, and that's that's very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you briefly touched on it. Um, Adore two. Um, because Celia is, believe it or not, the, the, the lady in this play, the character that Summerlin is playing, she's no angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clips you saw, you know, she was a victim. But, um, you know, as the story progresses, she's not an angel. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about a door, too, where the tables turn on, on Celia. 
where the tables turn on Celia. So in the, the finale, well, let's talk about a door one mm-hmm. where Celia turns on a door. Right. Okay. Celia finally meets a really great guy. Right, right, yes. Right? A yes. door. Towards the end of the life. Uh huh. And she yep. does the same thing to him that she's that's been done to her. Right, yes. She carries those baggages into that good relationship with that good guy. Right. And they have an argument about that that dance, mm-hmm. that, that party that he went to. Mm-hmm. And he he's they're they're having a verbal argument. She tells him to leave, he leaves, and she mm-hmm. runs after him and hits the door. There you go. The door, the house door. Then she goes to lunch with her Betty-like friends mm-hmm. and tells them she was hit by a door. Mm-hmm. But she was hit by a door, not the man a door. Right. An actual, uh, an an actual, actual door. door. Mm-hmm. Right. And eventually that gets told to the police and a, a door gets sent to prison. Mm-hmm. So a door two is about the men a door meets while he's in prison. The 10 days he's waiting for his arraignment. He's um he meets guys, different guys, and how they ended up in prison. He meets a young man, um, who was uh, focused in a door one, who Celia was a counselor to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in there for life because he was he was um, protecting his sister, and so he was protecting his sister in a domestic violence incident where he ends up hurting the guy. Uh, fatal we heard in the guy and he gets in this guy gets life but he was 17 years old mm. gets life there's another guy um bishop basketball um who's affectionately known as bishop basketball bishop basketball who was out on the court um defending a, another lady who was being trafficked mm. and her guy uh, ended up they ended up getting into a, a little scuffle Mm-hmm. And he ends up hurting him, and he ends, and Bishop Basketball ends up in jail. And then there's uh, the guy with, who's verbally abused by Betty. Betty's husband ends up in jail because he stole food to feed his children. Everybody in jail. Everybody in jail. Everybody going to jail. And then we have um, one more guy. Oh, uh, we call him P1 Vixen. He's uh, He was uh, in an illegal lineup. He was accused of hurting someone when it was really the other person who hurt them. Mm-hmm. They both end up in a lineup, but she picked him instead of picking the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. It's because she didn't have faith in the justice system, thinking that he was going to get bailed and come and kill her if she'd have picked him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So the innocent guy is in jail. Wow. Yeah. Very intriguing storylines. <laughs> Very intriguing storylines. And the door, a door two just, just happened, went down a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a door three is set for March 9th, yeah. twenty twenty four. Yes, and it's a four part uh, series. So um, a door four that's going to be you got two more chances <laughs> to catch it. A door three and a door four. Yes, uh, coming soon. So that is awesome. What to do, everybody? This your boy Dr. Bellard. I know you're enjoying the interview, and we're gonna get right back to that. But I need to take a small break to talk to all my actors, my filmmakers, my creatives out there who don't know about this amazing website called We Audition, all right? You ever get a job from your agent and you don't have anybody to read with and you got a quick turnaround, 24-hour turnaround or something like that, 12-hour turnaround, something crazy, but you don't have anybody to read lines with you? Well, We Audition has solved that, right, virtually. We are in a digital age and We Audition has handled it perfectly, all right? It is a 
video. I have it up here up on the screen. It's a video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice on your self-tapes. I use it all the time. All right. This is how I book some of the, the national commercials that I've done and other projects that I've done. I've met amazing people on this site. You can be comfortable in your own home and prepared at the same time in your own space. But with the interaction and the direction and guidance, right? It's creating a better experience and stronger relationships when you meet these dope people on the site who understand what you're going through. And on top of all of that, when you get ready to sign up, you click the link in this video. Go to sign up and put narrow path in the promo code. That's right. Narrow path in the promo code and you get 25% off your monthly membership. That's right. 25% off your $10 membership because why? Every penny counts. That's why. And not only that, not only are you saving money, but when you refer somebody, you also make money and you can make money as a scene partner, reading for someone. There are people that make three or $4,000 a month just reading as a scene partner for other actors. Come on. You can't beat that. We audition is where it's at. All right. Can't say it anymore. Narrow path, promo code, sign up today, refer somebody, holler at your boy. Back to the interview. Any future plans um, to transition uh, from a play to possibly a short film, feature film, yes. whatever the case may be? Yes, I would love to do that. I have a few plays that can actually do that. I have one called uh, Forgiveness is for You. Mm -hmm. It talks about a situation where a person is being uh, wrongly accused of something, but they are the recipient of a whole lot of negative stuff. I mean, they get... Uh, someone steals their credit cards and charges the, charges their credit cards up, get their car repossessed, and a whole host of other things, all done by one person who believes she did something to her. Mm. And so the end of the play is about forgiveness. It's about, are you going to forgive or are you going to hold this grudge against this person who did you all this wrong? Right. All this wrong, right? right? It's for you. It's not for them. Now, someone can do something to you, and they're gone about their business. They're just gone about their right. business. And you still holding you're on to that. Holding, not only holding on to it, you're mm -hmm. living in it. Right. You're, and they're not even thinking about they you. They're gone. They're, they're not gone. even thinking about they're you. They're gone. Living their living they best life. Right. And you letting <laughs> yourself get stressed out, having all these health problems behind the stress. And the bitterness and the frustration and you slowly withering away. <laughs> you slowly exactly. withering away. And exactly. they ain't even thinking about Not you. They ain't even thinking about you no more. They done, they dirt, they gone. So forgiveness is for you is about you forgiving them. And you don't have to say, I forgive you and we're going to be friends forever. No. Right. You're forgiving the situation. You're learning from the situation. You're growing from the situation. Mm -hmm. And you're moving on with your life free hearted. Right. No burdens. No way in damn. Right. That that could be a, a play too. I mean, a, a, a movie too. And then I also have a movie, a play called Bookshelf, mm -hmm. and it's about the uh, the favors of God, love, uh, management, um, tongues and interpretation, faith. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I missed some things, but it's all about um, God working together. He could He can give you gifts that you need right now, and He can give you the gifts that you need later. But all those gifts work toward the, the purpose of God, right? Right, right? Work for God. So if you're missing something, mm -hmm. somebody else can come pick up something for you. Mm -hmm. And they'll be that thing that you need to get you to the next level. Mm -hmm. 
or God can, and that, that's the God puts you puts you in the, in someone's life for a season. Right. You know, that's what that could that could be. He can also give that gift to you. Right. Well, you could be someone's that thing for that season. Does that's that right. make sense? Mm-hmm. And so it's called bookshelf because each piece of the bookshelf someone is responsible for. And when that person is missing, do you not still make the bookshelf? Right. Right. So at the end of the play, it gets made. Mm-hmm. Even with even while it's missing a person, it gets made. Right. And it's all about everything that works together for the good of God. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very versatile. <laughs> very versatile and very creative in your writing. I like that. Thanks. I like versatility. You are also publishing two books. Tell me about those uh, two books. I have um, one that's uh, called Layla. It's about a sister whose brother is in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? And he gets into a lot of bad things. Mm -hmm. And she's an older sister, so she feels a responsibility towards him. Mm -hmm. But she dates this guy, a really good guy. She dates a really good guy. And them together are trying to save this little brother from all his little um, issues or whatever. And um, when it comes to the end of it, you know, I don't want to say what happens at the end. Let's just say she finds him in a predicament that right. she also finds herself in because right. of him. Right. And um, the guy is the guy. The nice guy is just a nice guy. He he ends up um, also a consequence of the situation, but she's the one who realizes exactly what happens as she passes her brother like down the hill. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's just one. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, okay. Okay. And um, so the audience can look forward to. Um, well, you seem like you know you writing, writing, writing. I know you. You got a lot on your plate. So, <laughs> but um, that's something for the audience to look forward to. Um, you got a couple of books coming out as well, which. Um, um, it's awesome. So if anybody wanted to work with you, uh, work with one of your plays, do one of your plays, cast one of your plays, how can they, one, go check out your work, or two, contact you? Just give them all your social media information. Okay. Um, I'm going to need a little help on this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so I have a website for the company. is called lucic.com, which is limited edition where success is contagious. So L-E-W-S-I-C.com. Mm-hmm. Um, is our website. Um, there's some some information on that, uh, some snippets of other plays on that website as well. Okay. Um, it's also a contact me on that website as well as a join us uh, form at the top. Okay. If you wanted to join, um, limited edition performing arts is like um, it's like a family. It's we do everything from the door to the floor. We do everything like we do the advertisements. Mm-hmm. We do the uh, the programs. We do the videography. We do the choreography because we have dance as well. Um, we have uh, singers um, as well as actors. We have writers. We also have stage crew. So we do our own stage crew. We do our set design. Mm-hmm. So we do th- when people come into Lepa, they, they can go into whatever avenue in theater, in the theater industry that they like to do. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's that's how we uh, do our stage plays. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. And if they need help in education, they just need to let us know what subject matter that they need to help in, and we'll find someone to tutor them 
and whatever. If they families, I know I have three families that got evicted. Mm. So we're there for them. If they get evicted, we have connects to try to get them, you know, out of their car. Wow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so we're just there for them as a family for life. Right. Right. Yeah. Whether you be in a play or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that is awesome. You Not only are you, you writing about our real life situations and circumstances uh, in society, you have a real heart for the community mm-hmm. as well. I like yeah. that. But people need people need people. Oh yeah. People need people. Yeah, whether they want to admit it or not. That's true. Whether they want to admit it or not. That's true. Well, yeah. Miss Lady <laughs> I have my Facebook. Lady Y. I I don't even know what my Facebook is. Can you tell me? How do you do this? Um <laughs> it's lady with two Y's dot Smith dot one. Oh, or okay. Lady Smith. Just Facebook search <laughs> Lady Smith. I'm sure you're not gonna find too many <laughs> Ladies, uh, lady, ladies, lady, lady, ladies on Facebook. So um, you can contact her there as well. Thank you. This has been an honor. This has been a treat. I'm glad you came out. I'm glad people got to a chance to experience your work. Take a look at you know why you write, why you do the things you do, and you got to pick your brain a little bit about some of your work and why it's impactful to you, and um, you know not only to you but to others as well. So. Thank you for that. Thank you for coming out. Ladies and gentlemen, as we transition to the second half of our show, I want to thank Miss Lady Smith, prolific playwright, founder, all those things, creative, wonderful, generous human being, Miss Lady Smith. Thank you for coming out. We appreciate you. Thank you. Let's give her a hand clap, everybody. Thank you for telling us your narrow path journey. <laughs>